0: Welcome to the Friars and the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and right across from me is Roy. It is party time it in is. San Diego. And we gotta fight for our right to party. We absolutely do. Dude, the swag chain, they came out with that Saturday night when Manny came out and put that thing. I'm like, what the hell is that thing? Oh my God. And it spins. And it spins. Holy mother of God. <laughs> and then, you know, it gets out, it gets out on the internet, and it gets out on Twitter, and all the other teams are.
1: Jealous, jealous, jealous. That's all it is. Yeah. They hate us because they ain't us, or whatever they say. This team is having so much fun, and yeah. we're having so much fun watching them. Oh my and God. I love it. I it, love it, it. It's insane how, it's insane. Like, how many times does a player come back
0: from like a, a DL stint or like 10 days off? And it takes him a few games to get his act together to tie oh, me yeah. back.
1: Yeah, they don't go 11 for 14 with a bunch oh of home runs and doubles, <laughs> making highlight plays in the field. I yeah. mean, my God, I guess the shoulder's okay, huh? Yeah, the shoulder's okay, and the swing's okay. Remember a month
0: about a month ago, we are like, oh, my God, Texas is hitting 210. Oh, my God, what's
1: going on? We're losing, like, we're getting swept by the Pirates. Yeah, that's where you pull up that tweet that he had to Barry Bloom. Oh, I'll see you in September. Right, right. Yep. And it's just a collective sigh of like, ah, oh,
0: you know, these high expectations are going to be met. They're, they're being met they are. And but whenever they're not, I mean as a pod fan, it's like, ah, here we go again. We're just so used to being the beat dog.
1: Right. Right. But now you've got half the guys hit the DL for COVID and whatever other things, and other people come in and step up. And step up. Yeah, step way the heck up. And, the team goes on a run yeah. while those guys are out. And then right. they come back and they're only helping things. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and now we have uh you know, real quick uh Grisham's on the DL. They yeah. bring up Brack Oh, O'Grady. O'Grady probably just stayed in the night in a hotel and said, all right, give me a minute. All right, we're not going to send you back to, you know, we we'll are just put you in a hotel. I'm overnight. just, I'm going
1: to have fun watching this swag chain get passed yeah. from guy to guy. Yeah. Whenever somebody makes a great play and they're coming off the field, somebody's going to run out there, throw the chain around their neck and give it a spin. And I want to see how uncomfortable they get. Like, Nolan was like what the hell is this thing like oh my
0: god (laughs) you know it's natural on Taddy it's natural on on uh, you know like a Profar or or even Manny but you know seeing some of the other guys like Melanson like he gets a good save it'll be like what Okay, I guess we're doing this. Yeah, can you
1: can turn the intensity off, like as soon as the game is done, and then have some fun with it? Oh my God, it'll be interesting to see. Dude's got his own case. So what it's... I'm looking forward to is when the game, the they have like a bullpen day, and everybody kind of contributes, yeah. and it's kind of spread around, and then at the end somebody throws it on Tingler, and he's the guy talking to everybody with that <laughs> around his neck.
0: Well, maybe at the end of the series, maybe at the end of the year, when uh, you know we win the playoffs, or with God, if we make the World Series and win the World Series, he's oh, gonna have it.
1: man. Uh, but we're what here a talk time about, to be a Padre fan. It is, but we're here to talk
0: about minor league baseball. We are here
1: to talk about minor league baseball. So, we're so today, ri- we're going to talk uh, about... There were a couple interesting articles that we came across. Josh Absolutely. Norris wrote about the start dates for the Dominican Summer League and the Arizona Summer League. Sam Dykstra wrote about the rise of steals due to the rule changes. Uh, and J.J. Cooper wrote about how sloppy play has been this year. Um, and then we're also going to have our regular affiliate, affiliate rundown.
0: rundown. And you know, I feel all these articles are really... They're they're very apropos to what's going on right now in minor league baseball. The rule changes, there's more steals. We're going to get about, you know, and it's sloppy. We see the batting averages are down. The strikeouts are up. Mm -hmm. It's because there wasn't any, you know, everyone's hitting cages, you know, and everyone's pitching bullpens.
1: Yeah, and all these errors. Ain't Jordy Barley committed three more errors yesterday. Yeah, So he's off to a great start with the bat. Really rough in the field, but he wasn't at camp anywhere. So I don't know what he was doing in the office. I'm sure he was working his butt off. You know, wherever he spent the year. Yeah. Uh, but it's just not the same without having game reps. It,
0: right. Absolutely. You have to be there. You have to have the intensity. You have to have an opponent. Mm-hmm. You can hit grounders all day and it doesn't really matter unless it's the intensity of the game. And, and that's going to be natural. Like, remember, this, I think Tati still leads the league in, in errors. So right. errors are part of development, errors are part of the game. Uh, we're just seem to be, you know, at the major league level, Tati's just kind of evening out now. But even guys like Borley, they have plenty of time to figure it out. Oh, yeah. And they will. But leading off to Southwest University Park in El Paso, they're going back to off no masks. So no more masks required. Um, ticketed guests who are fully vaccinated against the COVID-19. Southwest University Park will continue to implement health and safety protocols for all games and matches, including hand sanitizer stations and thorough cleaning and sanitation during and after events. But come June 7th, or actually the 27th is when that starts. So
1: it says for uh, fully vaccinated. So when they're coming in, do they need to show proof of vaccination to not wear a mask? Or are they just kind of not enforcing anything? I think they're not enforcing anything. It's really going to be in the honor system. Okay. And I wouldn't be surprised if people that aren't vaccinated don't wear
0: masks. And I wouldn't be surprised if people that are vaccinated, you see that here today. Right. uh, People that are still vaccinated wearing masks.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, there, there's been some differing um, advice coming from certain outlets, and even then, the advice coming out of those outlets is is changing from time to yeah. time. They're saying yeah. you should wear a mask, maybe you shouldn't. So I think it's a matter of how cautious the individual wants to be. Um, and then how respectful those around them are right. of, you know, observing right. and respecting that. Um, I was told by one of the security folks um, who I'm not going to, but apparently they're not enforcing the mask rule right. at Petco Park now. So if they see you without a mask before somebody would, you know, come come over and please wear your mask unless you're actively eating or drinking. Now, if you're walking around without a mask, they're probably not going to say anything to you. So the last game I went to, the last game I went to, I
0: had, Left my mask at my seat and I'm like, oh my, we're already walking up and I'm like, oh God dang it. I didn't have a mask and I felt bad and Liddy's like, dude, they're not going to, like, you're fine. I'm like, but I, I know, but like people are looking at me because yeah. I have no mask. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you know, you want to do the right thing.
1: Right. Yeah, well, hopefully the numbers just keep on trending the right yeah. way. And and this this. on that note, they're going to be back to full capacity at Petco Park for yeah. the next homestand. Or is it not the next homestand, but the one uh, June 15th is the day that the statewide mandate is supposed to be lifted. I think we're back on the and 17th. So I think the 17th, yeah, yeah, which is, I think it's a Dodgers series. Which is going to ruin my Monday night no line to get food. God, right? It, we, it's There's been some, some benefits to it. <laughs> but I'm at the same time, I'm looking forward to having a packed house going nuts. when nuts. When Tatis hits a freaking grand slam oh my God, the over the gonna... batter's eye, the place is going to lose their minds. Or when he slides in, you're coming around third. That's, I think, when everybody gets the most excited, yep. is when there's something that happens on the base pads and a run scores, right, right. and you didn't expect that run to come in. And then he comes popping up. I mean, talk about he, he has to learn how to do a pop-up slide. No, he's been doing a pop-up slide since he was a little kid. On one leg. Yeah, when comes he comes up sliding up. in on home and then <laughs> c- pops up like an ice skater. I mean. Oh, my God. It's, it's, <laughs> he's phenomenal. But let's move on to
0: uh, some news here. So this is by Josh Norris. Um, as of now, this is about the Arizona League, the short, all the short season leagues, the Arizona League, the Fall League, and the DSL. So as of now, the Arizona League and Gulf Coast Leagues are virtual locks to begin on time. That's still a very small hint of uncertainty because of the continuing and ever-changing nature of the pandemic. But those two leagues are close to 100% as possible. As it stands, the Arizona League would feature 18 teams, while the Gulf Coast League would have 21 teams. The leagues are slated to begin on
1: June 28th and close September 18th. The Dominican Summer League season is a bit cloudier. Right now, there are roughly 48 teams scheduled to play in the league. Because of the pandemic, however, teams are considering paring back things a bit, which has added an air of uncertainty. Right now, the league seems to be a 50-50 proposition dependent on the course of the pandemic. Uh, And keep in mind, this is in a foreign country, so they have way different medical controls than we do. Um, If enough teams decide to pull back, the league simply might not play in 2021. If the league gets going, opening day is slated for July 12th, and the season would run through October 2nd. You know we're gonna have to start paying a
0: little more attention to the DSL league now that the Lake Elsinore Storm are a ball, right?
1: We won't be it won't be like this. You're like, who's that guy? Where is he from? Oh yeah, oh yeah, he was in you know he was in the complex last year, right? Because we used to see somebody at Tri City, yeah, and then you knew if they were having a really good season they were gonna go to Fort Wayne. If they were doing all right, we'd probably see him in like Elsinore, yeah. and now there there is none of that, and there's no footage. We don't get replays or anything like that from the the summer leagues, really, other than, you know, like Eric Longenhagen is out there and he's sending out stuff on YouTube. Um, So I thought it was interesting that there are 18 AZL teams for 15 Cactus League teams. So, there would be three extra teams among those. The Padres have fielded two AZL teams in recent years. Similarly, there are 48 DSL teams for 30 MLB teams. So, there's enough for 18 teams to field a second squad. Yeah. So, I could see the Padres, or many teams, yeah. now that there's no short season ball, having two teams both in Arizona and in Dominican. Get as many guys, as many reps as possible. Right. So the other thing I thought was interesting was the, the storm schedule ends on September 19th, and they're saying that uh, these seasons are going to run um, – the Arizona League is going to run through September 18th, and the Dominican League is going to run through October 2nd. So it's unlikely that we're going to have – because it used to be at the end of the summer league, there was still a little bit remaining in the full season leagues. Right, right. So you'd see some guys come up because they, you know, they want to keep getting those guys reps. Right, right, right. Um, I would imagine now instead of that, you're going to have the fall league Starting up sometime I'm guessing sometime in October Yeah Um And so then That would be the The, the progression To be interesting To see
0: who's in the Arizona Fall League This year
1: Oh yeah Yeah Dave I mean, it's always it's always <laughs> weird, and you've always got people changing positions or working on specific things. Uh, and, but now there's going to be so much movement this year with guys getting hurt yeah. and guys stepping back because they, you know, the lost year of development, yeah. or guys taking a huge leap forward because of changes they made. Because you see some of these guys, and they have a completely different body than they did the yeah. last time you saw them on a field.
0: Yeah, Trish Ronellas, uh, Jack Sawinski hit another home
1: run the other day. It's like the art of getting, the work is showing up. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And Jack was on Instagram all the time showing his workouts. He was working on speed, agility, strength. I mean, the, the dude worked his butt off. Yeah. And absolutely. It's, it's starting to show some some uh, rewards.
0: So moving on, Sam Dykes of MILB slash Pipeline uh, wrote an article on Did the new rule changes cause a big spike in MILB steals? And the answer is a resounding yes. Back in March, Major League Baseball announced that it was instituting rule changes to the four full season levels of minor league baseball. At high A, all pitches are requ- now required to step off the rubber fully before attempting a pickoff mood, a move. Meanwhile, low A hurlers are allowed only two pickoff attempts per plate appearance. These were done specifically to increase the potential for stolen bases, leading to more exciting movement around the diamond. They were also isolated to their respective levels to better study whether the specific changes. We're having their intended effects.
1: Through two weeks, the early returns point to the affirmative. Stolen bases and stolen base attempts are up significantly at the minors' lowest full season levels. High A teams are attempting 50% more stolen bases than their 2019 counterparts, with attempts up from 1.19 per game two years ago to 1.79 through the early going. It's easy to see why. With pitchers needing to step off the rubber, runners are extending their leads and getting better jumps than ever. Once they know the man on the mound is actually delivering the ball home, those leads and jumps have led to a sharp drop-off in caught stealing rates as well. Pretty steadily, catchers were throwing out between 326 and 32.8% of opposing base runners over the previous three seasons. That has dropped to 209 through the first two weeks of 2021. So, quote, prior to this year,
0: we've been looking for a... What a pitcher is doing with his feet or with a lefty, you have to consider the real red the read move. Excuse me. Harrison said this year, that's not in play with the lefties. With the righties, you're looking for a complete step back. It takes away two things you have to worry about. Guys are just getting more comfortable trying to take more in that initial lead, knowing that there are certain things they don't have to look for.
1: So they can sharpen their eye there a little bit. I, I bet you're going to see a lot of catchers just throwing down less. Like yep. they know that they're not going to get the guy, so just eat it. And right. there's less chance you're going to sail one out into center field and, you know, things blow up from there. Well, and you saw this weekend Ryan Weathers threw a guy, <laughs> stepped off the mound, threw a guy out at first. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it can be done. <laughs> then, And especially for a lefty, they still have that move where they kind of sidearm sling it over. Yeah. And that's that's quick. Yeah. You got to be quick to get back for that.
0: So the story is much the same in the low A level. Stolen bases per team per game are up seventy one point one percent at low A compared to two thousand nineteen, while the caught stealing rate has been nearly cut in half. Again, Ruth, uh, I almost said ruthless. <laughs> Again, rustiness may play a part in the latter, especially for a young catcher who may lack the in game experience for a low A backstops of previous years. But what can be overlooked, what can't be overlooked, is the new pickoff rule specific to this level. Since pitchers aren't allowed to throw over a third time or else risk a balk on an unsuccessful pickoff, low-A runners can get an extraordinary jump at the moment the hurler moves. The stolen base rates at AA are comparatively stagnant at this to this point. The second-highest minor league level's biggest rule change involves keeping the infielders on the dirt, i.e. limiting the shift, and that hasn't affected base steals, nor was it intended to do so. For all intents and purposes, here at AA is serving as
1: a stolen base control early in 2021. There have been some some gains at AAA, though they are a far cry from what's happening much lower. The Miner's top rung is using larger 18-inch square bases this season, up from 15 inches in the past, and grippier material on the bags meant to limit injuries resulting from slickness. Bigger bases mean less distance from station to station, but not quite enough to lead to the large jumps we're seeing elsewhere. It's going to be interesting. I've watched five or six AAA games and haven't even thought about it.
0: Haven't really even heard about. I don't know if you'd even notice the difference, right? You, I don't think you'd notice on a game, but they're not even talking
1: about it. Like Tim Haggerty's not even talking about it on the on the broadcast. Uh, it's it's a minute change. It's yeah. you know you're reducing the distance between the bases just a little bit. Um, I like the idea that it's a grippier base. Yeah. Because uh, I remember a few years ago seeing. I think it was Bryce Harper stepped. His foot was on the top of the base and his foot slid so, off because yeah. it was a little bit wet, and uh. he hyperextended his knee. Fortunately, he didn't. Really hurt himself, but it looked really painful and it could have been really bad. Uh, But when we talked to manager Mike McCoy from the Lake Elsinore storm last week, I thought it was interesting (laughs) the way that they're enforcing the the pickoff rule that basically if a pitcher steps off the rubber, they're counting it as a pickoff move. And that's, you know, you got to check for signs. are like, you have to like reset yourself. Like he was, right. he
0: wasn't happy with it at all.
1: No, no. And that's, I would, I would think that the league's going to have some kind of an adjustment where right. they, they, they communicate how they want the umpires to interpret the rule. Right. I would think that, I, I think it would make sense. Like he can only throw to a base. So if you're going to limit pickoffs, make it so they have to actually throw to a base to consider it a pickoff, or at least look, look over. Yeah. Lift their arm up, you know, the fake throw. Right. But even I, I don't, I don't like that rule. Right, right. How many times do you guys step on the
0: mound, breathe, and then step off for for for, and for and yeah,
1: various reasons? Right. Or just in, in the course of an at bat. Yeah. Something something interrupts their thought process. They yeah. need to step off and reset. Or like you said, they need to go over the signs. Right. They didn't pick up the sign. Okay, let's run through the signs again. It, it happens all the time. You know, I
0: think he was talking about. And it's still, these players are learning the game themselves. Now you're going to throw these different rules that in the very limited time that they play the game, have yeah. only known this
1: way. I don't love it. Funky. Bump but I like I like, the st- I like the, the, that they have to disengage from the rubber before throwing. I, we've talked about this before. I, Lefties, come on. I love it. <laughs> I, I love it. I love I, base running. I
0: appreciate it. I appreciate the Andy Pettit rule as well. So that's, God, he, would, he was the pickup move because he always balked. Always had that knee come back.
1: Right, right. Or you know, where you draw that line between first and home, where the, like, 45 degrees, do right. they step on this side or that? It's There's so much interpretation there, and it really does make it hard for the base runner to see. So they know that once that front foot comes up, they're going home. Yeah. So they can take off. I I love it, you know? Uh, more yeah. action.
0: More action. So moving on, J.J. Cooper of Baseball America wrote an article on how
1: sloppy the play. <laughs> yeah, this is a different kind of action this that you don't b- want in baseball. <laughs> right.
0: And, and it's under and it's understandable that you know that it's just just not good, right? So baseball is undergoing an unplanned experiment. If you take players away from actual games for twenty months, what happens when they return to the field? Early on in the minor league season, the answer appears to be plenty of poor play, too 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 many walks, too many strikeouts, too many defensive miscues across the minors. The level of ba- or the return of baseball has been eagerly anticipated. Communities that were left without baseball for the entire two thousand twenty season.
1: Pack the stands as much as allowed with the coronavirus restrictions to watch players return to action. In the first few weeks of the 2021 season, what they've seen is a reminder that baseball is a sport that requires plenty of repetitions to master. Just as a golfer can't prepare his or herself for a major tournament entirely by hitting drives on a practice range, some patience is going to be required for minor league players to get back into the swing of things.
0: Scouts watching games at all levels of the minors were quickly taken aback by the quality of play, especially when it came to defense quality of at-bats, and pitchers' command and control. Unprompted, a number of them reached out over the first week of the season just to note how subpar the standard of play has been, whether they're watching Class A, A, AA, or Triple <laughs> A, It's god-awful, when Pro Scout said. Tons of strikeouts, bad at-bats, bad defense, sloppy play in general, and lots of plotting
1: games. It's hard to watch. It's not that players didn't work during their extra-long layoff, but with extra baseball, there are aspects... But with baseball, there are aspects that can easily be worked on alone. Increasing strength, velocity, bat speed, power, and others that can't easily be replicated without getting out on the field and getting into some game or game-type situations. Quote, I know what minor league guys did for 18 months, said a second pro scout. They trained to increase velocity and spin, and they trained to increase exit velocity. That's it. No one picked up a glove. (laughs) Even if a player did pick up a glove, there's no easy way to work on the timing required to, to know whether to try to throw to second or to third on right. a ground ball or to take the easier route at first base a catcher can catch some bullpens but that doesn't replicate the experience of managing a game and not every catcher has had pitchers around to practice receiving low 90s sliders
0: right <laughs> right uh, we grade tools a lot of things about playing the game are skills said a third scout skills require practice practice baseball is a game sport not a practice sport. The pandemic has exposed a lot of things. One thing it has exposed is the limits of just the lab. You have to play games to get a feel for the game. Hitters are working to get their uh, hitters are working to get their timing back. Pitchers are struggling with command and control issues. As of mid-May, 41% of all plate appearances in the minors are resulting in a walk, strikeout, or hit by pitch.
1: Oof. The MLB rate is 34%. And, and I would bet historically the minor league rate is higher than the MLB rate. Right.
0: Oh, absolutely. But this is just an outlier. It's just crazy. But the current walk rate at 12% of all plate appearances and the current strikeout rate, 28% of all plate appearances are far beyond the rate even, ever seen before at any time in the minor leagues. In 2019, minor leagues set previous highs with 24% strikeout rate and 9% walk rate. So, this year, another 9% of the plate appearances are resulting in walks or strikeouts.
1: Ooh. We're seeing that along Major League Baseball as well. It's just. We are, but it's amplified with the minors. Yeah, absolutely. Because most of the Major League players were at least in a camp last year right. somewhere. Right. So put in different terms, if if a minor league pitcher is walking four and a half batters per nine innings and striking out 11 per nine innings, he's right on the minor league average in both categories, even if both the walk rate and the strikeout rate seem sky high to anyone who's been watching baseball for a while. But it's not just walks and strikeouts. In 2017, 18 and 19, full season minor league teams had either a 976 or 977 fielding percentage every year. This year, the collective fielding percentage is sitting at 970. Low A understandably has the lowest fielding percentage among full season levels, but its per- current 961 fielding percentage is 10 points worse than its worst performance of the previous three seasons. Live game speed is probably the biggest adjustment right now, especially defensively, said a fourth scout. The game is getting fast on some guys. And and so with that, you know, I think major league teams on scouts and departments are just going to be like, okay,
0: some of it's controllable. So of it's not controllable, let's just get through the year and see what kind of, you know, if, if they can develop a little bit and improve.
1: Right. Right. And it's, it, there's, there's nothing <laughs> that a, that a team can really do at this point to right. try to, to curtail that. And okay. You do try to do some extra drills before games or whatever, but even then the schedule is so packed that you can't, there isn't time to put in that extra work. It's right. just something you're going to have to get like guys work through it and try to coach along of, okay, here's what I saw you do. This is what you need to do. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's a tough spot, and it's just going to have to work itself out. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. And that's why I think you know, we're going to get into it a little bit later on with Mackenzie Gore, and I think some other players, are, their, their numbers may not be spectacular. Mm-hmm. In, uh, you know with McKenzie, I think it would be, is he walking, guys? He, yeah, he's getting hit, but that means he's throwing strikes. Right. Everything else can be worked out.
1: Right. And the, the other angle that I was thinking of was scouting that yeah, now there's all this Hawkeye data from every minor league park. Yeah. And so they can see exit velocities and and pitch movement and all that stuff. And even the, I think they're even tracking the motions of the players. So you can see who has the best sprint speed or who covers range. There's metrics for all that now, but you don't have metrics for watching how a guy reacts to something. Right. So you have somebody that makes a big error. Does that hang on them for the rest of the game and kind right. of mess them up? Or right. do they bounce back from it? Do you yeah. see teams picking... Picking their teammates up, you know the, yeah. the leadership aspects, the yeah. things that you can't quantify on a on a on a clipboard, on a stat sheet. Absolutely, and with oh god, I was just head of my head. Up, oh, so I went. thought it was interesting that <laughs> when I went up to Lake Elsinore, you saw this, you saw the people that I thought looked like scouts sitting yeah. where the scouts usually sit, yeah, and I didn't see any radar guns. So I went last Friday. They're mm. in the very up, usually like. You know, five or six rows up. Right.
0: They're in the very back. All the way back by the high tops? All the way back in the very first row after the high tops. Right. They all had guns. They had guns? So they did. At Friday, they had guns. Okay. So maybe it was just off. I didn't see them the first game we went to. I wasn't really looking, but I, because I looked over where they usually are, which is mm-hmm. about five or six rows. And obviously, they're not tracking pitches either. So you don't see the two guys that you know tomorrow starters tracking pitches. They're all
1: doing it right. in the dugout. Well, and that's you don't have bat boys. Right? Right. they're they're right. trying to limit the um, the interactions between the players and the fans. They're trying to kind of it's not a, quite a bubble, right? But they're trying to minimize the number of people that are on the field and then their interaction with. So if you have those guys sitting in the stands and you've got people around, you know, who knows somebody's going to catch a bug. Yes. And then so like I saw Tim, who's been the bat boy. At Lake Elsinore forever Um, and he was walking around and I was like do you get to be down on the field and he says soon I hope
0: oh yeah so I'm thinking
1: I'm thinking that once the 15th comes and the the restrictions start to loosen then maybe we'll see some more of that you know so we can have actual bat boys I was watching a Fort Wayne game and Gabe Moser was the the bat bat boy. boy Yeah, they're like, oh, he's getting his cardio in because he was jogging out to hand right, baseballs right. to the umpire. It's like you're used to seeing a 15-year-old kid, not yeah. a 25-year-old grown man. Yeah, and the player and the bat
0: boy, ball boy, had a gator on. And, and you know, the Storm was still a brand new team to us. So I didn't know who it was, but it was a player, a big, tall guy, probably a pitcher. Yeah. You know, running out there, handing balls, getting,
1: you know, picking up the bats. Yeah, as we get more familiar with the guys, we'll start to yeah. identify, oh, yeah. hey, Edwin Bencomo was the, right. <laughs> the bat boy. <laughs> Okay, so let's move on to the affiliate rundown. Affiliate rundown. Okay, so Lake Elsinore Storm strike one. The storm walked this one off in extras as Gilberto Vizcarra singled home Brandon Valenzuela in the bottom of the tenth against mortal rival Rancho Cucamonga, which mortal. is yeah, they're the Dodgers, uh, yep. the Dodgers affiliate. Valenzuela's two hit night brought him to a slash line of two seventy nine, three seventy one, four fifty nine. The 20-year-old catcher first baseman has been praised for his defense, and so far in 2021, he's showing the stick to match his glove. Robert Hassel III had another multi-hit night for the Storm. Uh, The 2020 first-rounder has 17 hits in 15 games in his first professional season. Hassel III has also drawn a league-high 14 walks. Yes. I didn't do a strike two.
0: (laughs) Just, oh. <laughs> oh my god. Well, take us right to strike three. Right to strike three. Sunday Robert Hassel, the third collected a pair of hits and a walk Sunday to push his season high on base percentage back to 393. While strikeout rate continues to hover around 25%, the lefty with a sweet swing is pacing the league's highest scoring offense with 16 runs. Jody Barley remains one of the most dynamic and inconsistent players in the organization. The speedy infielder led the offense with three hits and showed his game-changing speed with two more stolen bases but also committed three more errors. That's going to be, you know, that's that's par for the course. To add to a system high 10 on the year, the 21-year-old is just now in his first year of full-season ball after coming stateside for the first time since 2017. So he's been in the DL uh, the Dominican Summer League.
1: Right, right. Well, and there was no Dominican Summer right. League last year, so right. he was just you know, working on some you know, working at a complex yeah, somewhere, yeah, I would imagine. Absolutely. So the on-base stuff, that's showing plate awareness. That's strike zone awareness. That's some discipline there. Right, right. And he was, he's was he been seen as like this raw athlete kind of a guy. So I guess th- those are the kinds of improvements that you're looking for. Yeah. You know, so is the defense starting to smooth out? But also, is he having a little more refinement at the plate? And it, when you're talking about errors, it made me think of the other day when the Padres are playing the Mariners and um, – now, the, the catcher's name is, I want to say Tom Murphy, but I don't think that's right. Their catcher. Uh, Godoy was the 20,000 Major League player. Was he the 20,000? 20, Number 20,000. Wow. Okay, so congratulations to Cespedes Barbecue, right. who's been tracking, <laughs> yeah. who's yeah. been tracking that every yeah. single player that's made their major league debut. Cespedes Barbecue on Twitter goes on and does a little write up about him, and I thought that's a really cool thing to follow. Very cool. And he was excited for who was going to be number two, number twenty thousand. Yeah. So, you, and you wondered just
0: kind of get off topic there. This game's been played since I, I don't know. They've been keeping track of stats since the eighteen hundreds. Right, like, right. I, I saw a baseball almanac where guys were pitching, you know, five hundred innings, just like they were pitching five or you know, four or five games a week. Right, yeah. Old Haas Radborn, <laughs> you know, <laughs> said, "You know what? Nobody else. Everybody, get out of the way. Just let me throw
1: the ball." Twenty thousand would be like a like an okay night at the ballpark. Like, okay, that's twenty thousand people. That's okay. Right, and then you take every single person that has ever put on a major league uniform, yeah. and they would they would fill that ballpark. Absolutely, but that's it's- that's a really cool uh, fraternity to be in. Yeah. So even these guys that come up and they make one appearance yep. and you never hear from again, at least they made it. Yeah. That's, that's a monumental uh, achievement for these guys. It is
0: huge. So let's move on to Fort Wayne. Strike one. Augustin Ruiz made history in Fort Wayne. 13, Fort Wayne 10-caps, 13-1 to 1 win over the Lansing Lugnuts, the Oakland A's affiliate. On Tuesday night at Parkview Field, the 21-year-old Ruiz came just the third player in franchise 28-season history to record eight RBIs in a game. Joining Tom... Canales, 1993, and John Schroeder, 1996. He's the first to do so in a home game. Ruiz belted a three-run homer to straightaway center field in the third off Lansing starter Ke- Rafael Kelly, during uh,
1: diving. What the heck? Driving in third baseman Ethan Thank Skender you. and catcher Johnny Holmes. In the fourth, Skender and Holmes's efforts resulted in more offense for the Caps. Skender reached on an error by shortstop Elvis Peralta, plating Tiersor Nelas. Homza drew a walk with the bases loaded, pushing 10-caps shortstop Justin Lopez across the plate. As the next hitter, Ruiz again supplied the fireworks. Fort Wayne's right fielder launched a no-doubt 423-foot grand, grand slam that smacked slam. off the 400 club in dead center field, ballooning the Caps' lead to 9-1. To
0: that was huge.
1: So a three-run homer and a grand slam knocked in another run. 8 RBIs on the day.
0: Dude that game lasted like 5 hours. It was for That game lasted
1: forever. Oh man. I,
0: and I watched that game as well
1: and I you know, really need to pay more attention
0: to when I do the uh, to do the affiliate roundup to make sure that I have everything consistent.
1: Oh, we're doing good. Yeah, I lost my place totally. So the, the 400 Club in Parkview Field is a cool space. It's in the hitter's eye. They've got this big, uh, like it's one-way smoked glass. So from the outside, it just looks like this big black wall. Okay. But there's a restaurant in there. It's like a group space where they have banquets and that kind of thing. Um, wow. If it's not open to the public. But it's usually rented out by, uh, you know, a corporate some or wherever, group whoever. sales yeah. kind of a thing. And then on top, there's a rooftop bar. So you can stand on top of the hitter's eye and... Have a drink, have a something to eat, and then stand there over the rail, Dodge and you're looking right <laughs> down at the at the field. Yeah, it's a really cool space. That is insane. Yeah, it's a really cool ballpark. Yeah. Okay, so strike two uh, on Friday. Anderson Espinoza started his second game of the season after missing all the 2017 to 2019 minor league seasons dealing with injuries, namely two Tommy John surgeries. Yeah. The Venezuelan hurler sat 95 to 96 miles per hour with his electric fastball yet again, but was charged with five runs in the opening frame on two walks and five singles. Yeah, he was he was all over the place yeah. in the game, and that's fine. Yeah, and, I, yeah. Right now, you just want him to stay healthy. Yeah, you know, go out there, put in your work, how whatever 30 pitches, whatever his pitch count is, and yeah. then be done and come back strong. Well, and what I like about
0: that is just I I want to see some some. I want to see him struggle. I want to see him have to learn stuff. I want to see him have to figure it out. For sure. I want to see him have a bad inning, come back and have a good inning. So that's going to take reps. Yeah. And, you know, he took, what, it was like two weeks off between
1: starts? Yeah, there were a lot of questions being asked about where is he? Is he okay? And there wasn't anything coming out of the team about him not being okay. Probably because he was okay. They just really want to limit him. To the right conditions, maybe. 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 And I'm sure they're looking at his bullpens in between and how does he look and all of that. And they've yeah. got they've got the data. So what's the velocity? How fast is he throwing? You know, it's not just you, from the press box, how loud is the pop hitting the glove? Because right. <laughs> as we know, that doesn't say a whole lot. Anyway. Um, reliever. So reliever Edwin, Edwin Bencomo followed Espinosa, collecting the final out of the first inning and getting the tin caps through the fifth. Bencomo, in his four and a third innings of work, struck out four hitters, allowed just two hits, and lowered his already stellar ERA to a microscopic 0.64 across 14 innings in 2021. So Edwin Bencomo, that is a name to keep your eye on. Absolutely. And
0: learn how to spell. And learn how to read. Bencomo. Strike three. Okay, Matt Waldron turned up his second strong start of the series, allowing just one run over five innings. But this time, the Tin caps offense couldn't back him up. Working on a traditional five-day schedule that has been rare in the system for this season, for this season, the 24-year-old has a stellar 22 to three strikeout to walk ratio through his first 19 and two-thirds innings since covering coming over to the organization in the Mike Clevenger trade. Yeah, he was the player to be named later. Yeah, who seems to be the player to be now, like doing yeah. really well for two uh, two starts. Waldron lasted five innings in three of the four starts to Sornell, single to extend his hitting streak to five games. After starting the year three for 34, he has nine hits in that series.
1: Yeah, so there's an example of having a little bit of patience with the yeah. guy. He started three right. for 34. Now he's got a five-game hitting streak. All of a sudden, he's starting to look a little bit better. Right. It takes guys some time to get used to it, to get the, to get the eye back, to yeah. get the timing back. You know, it's little things like getting your foot down on time. Well, you know, those of us that watched him in the
0: Mexican League last year was like, here we go. Hitting 270 against, you know, triple A to double A pitching. Oh, yeah. Having himself a season. And all of a sudden breaks his arm. And then we're like, ah.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I doubt the arm has anything to do with right. the with the slow right. start. Um, It's probably more you know, timing. and <laughs> just played in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on to the
0: Santonio mission. Strike one. Thursday, Cedric Abrams extended his on-base streak to 15 games by reaching base by being hit by a pitch. I whatever it takes. He also reached base on an error. Despite his 0-3 night, he managed to score two runs for the Missions. Aaron Leisher, fan of the podcast, picked up his first win of the season with a dazzling five innings. The 2017 6th round draft pick out of Moorhead State spent most of 2019 with Lake Elsinore, where he went 10-8 with a 3.15 ERA in 22 appearances. That's 19 starts. For the Storm, the Missions had a fever, and the only prescription was more lefties. As James Reeves... <laughs> I don't think David J wrote this. I think it was Ben Davy who wrote this. Um, James Reeve relieved Leisure um, and was perfect for two innings in six appearances for San Antonio. Reeves has a .84 ERA and ten and two thirds innings since joining the Padres organization in an offseason trade for Greg Allen. More trivia stuff there, folks. Listen to that. Write it down. Yeah, Kyle Overstreet paced the Mission's offense with two doubles and two RBIs. Is slashing a .374 500 and his electric start at the, the play of the season. Here's someone that we've... It's like, since I've had this podcast, since we've had the podcast, I keep overlooking him. Right. Overlooking him. Okay, and then occasionally he'll get in. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's 27 in, in A, but he's putting it together. Oh, for sure. And yeah. he needs to get up to El Paso to maybe round out a cup of coffee in the next year or two. Like he's getting up there in age, but he is just putting it together
1: this season well if he keeps hitting like this he'll get his opportunity so he was a catcher in the system forever yeah and now they've been playing him at third base first base a lot more i haven't looked at his at his numbers this year and how much has been spread around but it seems like he's been i don't think he's been behind the plate a whole lot this year No, he's been primarily first base yeah well so i believe he's a right-handed hitter so a lot of this kind of reminds me of cody decker a little bit that you got a right-handed hitter first baseman isn't a huge guy you know isn't a small guy right well i mean i mean he isn't like you know because you think of this stereotypical first baseman you want somebody who's like six foot six throws with their left hand and all this kind of stuff uh but a right-handed hitter who is defensively limited the opportunities are also therefore limited yes kind of like where you saw ty france kind of get pushed out because where are you going to play him yeah but you know some things fall the right way and maybe kyle will get a chance Okay, so on to strike two. Heading into this weekend, Kyle Overstreet and CJ Abrams both find themselves in the top 10 in AA Central batting average. And so this was heading into last weekend. Yeah. Kyle Overstreet batting 368 currently ranks fourth. CJ Abrams batting 317 thir- currently ranks 10th in the AA Central. In the hits department, Overstreet uh, is second in the AA Central, while Abrams is right behind him in third with 21 and 20 doubles. Jose Azokar's 17 hits ranks him tied for eighth in the AA central. As of Friday, Abrams has a 16 game on base streak. So the, Jose Azokar is one of those guys, another minor league. He was a minor, a minor league, league free, agent, free agent, agent that they signed this year, yeah.
0: Kind of running Ivan Castillo just kind of comes out on the board to an organization and just
1: hits. hmm
0: Like and he's just raking. I think he's batting he's betting ahead of um of CJ. So I think he's betting leadoff. Okay. Was C.J. hitting second?
1: All right. Well, if you're batting ahead of C.J. Abrams, you might
0: get a couple more fastballs <laughs> in your plate appearance. So he's, that's a guy to kind of keep an eye on. I think you know he's been one of those guys that you know signed in double A, so he's kind of our system guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, see if he can't make his way through the system. But strike three, C.J. Abrams was taken out of the game. Reports are it looked like he rolled his ankle. Through 17 games missions outfielder Jose Azucar has been a steady force at the top of the lineup. After a 2-for-4 game last night, as a car ranks third on the team with 19 hits. He trails Kyle Overstreet by three hits. He is also the third on the team in total bases behind C.J. Abrams and Overstreet. He wants, uh, He is one of the missions. Two. He's one of the two mission players with multiple triples this season. With Robbie Podorsky being the other, who just went on the DL today. Oh, I was so I sad L. to sorry. see
1: that. Yeah. Oh man.
0: The on-base streak for Zunica, following his over-three game last night, C.J. Abrams on streak, on base streak. Thank you. Came to an end. Missions infield Brad Zunica holds the crown as a current on-base streak holder. He has reached base in all the nine games he has played
1: this season. He didn't start. He wasn't a starter. Believe in Brad. Yes. Okay, so moving on to El Paso. Um, strike one. Tuesday was Mackenzie Gore day, Uh and as again today is. Dominate the day? Yeah. In about uh, 10 minutes? Uh, Tuesday was Mackenzie Gore day again, and he got hit around to the tune of five earned runs on six hits in 3.2 innings. His command is coming around, and his secondary pitches show well, but hitters are comfortable and are hitting them. Um, What I saw, I I didn't see a whole lot of command out of of him on that outing. I watched a good chunk of it. And so what I was seeing was that he was missing his spots, but for the most part, he was missing on the edges. So the catcher would set up low and inside. He would miss high and away, but it would be high and away in a spot that the batter had a hard time getting at. Um, And the stuff had good shape to it, but... Yeah, just without being able to command what's going to happen, and eventually it, it caught up to him, and they started hitting. Him. It did, it did, and they and they hit him pretty good. It, yeah. was, it was a series of hits. Was like holy cow! Right, and that's the thing with him. His stuff is, it it's it, it, it pops, but it's not like electric right. stuff. He has to sit ninety six to make it all work. Right, if he's but hit he, 93, 94 But he re- better go ahead. But really, he needs to locate for yeah. it to work. Yeah. He needs to be able to locate the fastball, get guys looking at a certain side of the plate, and then he can drop the breaking ball in yeah. where they're not looking. Yeah, it's to, These to events hitters
0: in AAA are going to sit on the fastball. They're going to sit on
1: the stuff. If he's not throwing anything else for a strike,
0: yep. absolutely.
1: Yeah, and it's he's also – he's. I know in the past he's talked about <clears throat> how on a particular day – you're never gonna have all your tools yeah, working. Right. So maybe the slider's just not feeling good in the bullpen, so you ditch it and you stick with your curveball and your change up or yeah. something like that. Um, and I, I I'm I'm wondering if that's part of his kind of progression is figuring out how to identify when something's not working and, and, and adjusting adjustment. your game plan. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Strike two, the El Paso Chihuahua's lost to Sugarland
0: Skeeters, the new triple A team. Uh 7 3 Thursday in their first ever matchup between the two teams. It was opening night at Constellation Field. As the Skeeters <laughs> said the Shakespeare's as the Skeeters played their first home game as a Houston A's AAA affiliate, El Paso starting pitcher Brett Kennedy had to leave his start after only one pitch when Sugarland leadoff hitter Brian De De La Cruz hit a line drive off his lower leg. Yvonne Castillo went two for four with an RBI single for the Chihuahuas and is now hitting four thirty-eight through nine AAA games this season. Oh, that's ridiculous! El Paso's Webster Rivas went two for four with an opposite field home run in the top of the fifth inning. His first homer of the year. Relievers Nick Ramirez and Aaron
1: Norcraft pitched scoreless outings for the Chihuahuas in the loss. So I talked to somebody who was at the game and they said that it looked like Brett Kennedy got hit like right on the bone of his ankle. It was the first batter of the game. I think he'd only thrown, I think it was the first pitch that he threw and he lined it right back. And that's I, a bone right in your foot. Like, yeah. There's I've, no nothing. I've tapped that bone with a sand wedge. Yeah, you're walking along just kind of swinging your golf club and then you clink it off your ankle and it <laughs> puts you on the ground. I can't imagine getting hit with a 90 mile an hour comebacker.
0: Oh, so, That's like Shinberger, but with the ankle.
1: Right, yeah. There's. The, yeah, exactly. There's no meat to protect it. There's a quick question before we move on.
0: I wonder if they're, so they're using the same ball in major league baseball as they are in AAA? I'm not
1: sure. I haven't seen anything about that. I haven't gonna, seen any articles talking about the ball. I think I'm gonna reach out. Yeah. And see if
0: that's what's going on with that. Because that would be very, very it kind of makes sense.
1: Yeah, that's a question that I've been wondering. Yeah. You know, we can talk to sure. resident baseball expert Meredith Wills. Yeah. We see can if she do might that. have some some information. She's been in spooling major league baseballs all week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's been busy. Okay, so uh, strike three. Sunday, Tucupito Marcano uh, slashed a pair of doubles for his first multi-hit game of the year. The left-handed hitter who made his second start at second base for El Paso has put together just a four ninety three OPS despite a sp- strikeout rate below 20%. At 21 years old, he's still among the youngest players on the circuit. And I think that's something that's important to remember is that yeah. these guys, he, he is so young. Yeah, so for him to be able to come up and do anything at the major league level yeah. is commendable. Absolutely, um, and just to tread water in AAA would be a great season for him because yeah. he never played above high A. Yeah, and the
0: thing that I, I noticed about him, and he did it a lot on the major league team as well, is he'll swing at the first pitch. Uh huh. And that's not for a young hitter. I don't think that's good. I mean, he doesn't do it all the time, but he's uh, like there was a couple times he had bases, that we needed to get guys over, we needed to get guys in, uh-huh. and he swung at the first pitch, and he's like, ah, young hitter, ah.
1: Well, they've got they've got tons of data. They've got scouting reports on these guys. So if you know that this pitcher throws first pitch fastball, you know ninety percent of the time to lead off an at bat, sit on the fastball, and if it's where you want it, do something with it. I, I, maybe that's what he was doing. I don't know. Anyway, uh, moving on. Mason Thompson worked two full innings for the first time this year, giving up one run on a pair of hits and a walk. The Padres added the twenty-three year old to the forty man this winter rather than taking a risk. Uh, with the team taking a flyer on his tantalizing stuff in the Rule 5 draft. So far, though, Thompson has struggled a bit in his transition to the bullpen, posting a 6.48 ERA and striking out just five over 8.1 frames. He's also moved up a couple levels. He's been coming off of injuries and stuff. He's moved up a ton of levels. Yeah. And this is his first real, real game action in, what, two years now? Right.
0: Easily two Mm -hmm. years. Any any time that he had, he he spent a minute in Lake. I don't think he spent a minute in
1: Lake Elsinore. He might have spent a little time in Double A. He got hurt early in the season in 2019, and I think he was out the whole rest of the year. Um, I don't think it was Tommy John, uh, but he was still dealing with injuries. Yeah, and then you missed the whole season. He was in camp, but what do you really get out of that? Right,
0: right, right. Yeah. So he's intriguing. I wouldn't be surprised to see him come up this year after he kind of puts everything together. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, but him he needs,
1: he needs to start command, you know, again commanding the fastball yeah. and being able to locate. And you got to have results in AAA if you're going to have any hope in yeah. in the bigs. In The bigs. Well, that's it. All we got. That's all we got. Yeah. Well, now we're going to get back to partying with this team. Yes. Because <laughs> now we got we got uh, we got chihuahuas to watch with me with uh, Mackenzie Gore. We got the Padres game coming on here, so hopefully uh, Slam Diego can keep doing their thing and passing the. Passing the swag chain around. Passing the swag chain around. So you can find me on Twitter at sd donovan, And I am at Zippy underscore TMS. Go Padres. Go Padres. Go
0: swag chain. And fight for your right to, to party. party.